Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 23 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by the one and only Mario Andretti. Makes his debut on the show. We'll be talking to Mario about his entire racing career. Get his thoughts on where motorsports are at right now and where the future of motorsports is going when he joins us coming up in just a few moments from right now. David, appreciate the time as always. David Starr here with us, of course. David, I imagine you're pretty excited about today. Man, unbelievable. I can't believe, uh, I mean, God, what a huge honor it is. I mean, when you when you say Mario Andretti, I mean, you're talking the world, you know what I mean? I think of the best race car drivers ever in the world. You know, Mario Andretti's probably number one on that list, you know, and to have him join us, guys, man, what a privilege and an honor that is. So excited about our show today. No doubt about it. Dominic Oregon of the RacingExperts.com is here as well. Dominic, how we doing? Doing great. Just like you guys. Really excited about it. So just kind of like a little backstory, some back-end stuff, right? I'll help put the Zooms together for these shows every single week. So when, when I saw Mario Andretti has entered the waiting room, I had to take a photo of that. That was unbelievable. <laughs> so very excited. I share that same sentiment with you guys. Absolutely. Before we officially bring Mario into the show, David, I just want to get your thoughts just real quick. Looking back on this past weekend at Kansas Speedway, I was there. In fact, I'm actually still in Kansas City as we're doing this show right now. Great race. I know you were enjoying the week off in the Xfinity side, but nonetheless, a big-time win for Kyle Busch on his 36th birthday to win the Bushy Mick Bush race. No, it was, uh, it was a great race. Kevin Harvick, I mean, that was – Kyle Larson, they put on a heck of a show. They did not disappoint the fans. Having the fans in the stands was awesome. And, man, it came down to the wire. I had a caution right there at the end. And, uh, you know, glad to see. You knew Kyle Busch's Kyle first win of 2021 was just right around the corner. But what a show they put on. It was a great race. And, uh, man, uh, nothing surprised me. Kyle Busch was, was awesome. Kyle Larson was awesome. It was just a great race. Uh, Stuart Haas team, Kevin Harvick, you know, they're right there. And uh, I see a win uh, really soon for Kevin Harvick. Just a great race. And you back it up with the the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series race. Again, won by Kyle Busch. That was an exciting race. It came down to, to the end. There was a caution with two or three laps to go. And uh, I would say the racing at Kansas City, that track is awesome. One of my favorites. And uh it did not disappoint the race fans or the people watching on television. Yeah, certainly. So I had a great time being out there, and Kansas Speedway, as always, does a great job putting on that race. Dominic, before we bring in Morio, I want you to do the grand introduction as the big research and historian of this show. Tell us exactly what Morio means to auto racing for folks at home. Well, you really can't tell the story of auto racing without the Andretti family, let alone Mario Andretti. We're talking a Formula One champion an Indianapolis 500 champion, a Daytona 500 champion, somebody who has done it all. Mario, we, we are so honored that you chose to be here with us today. We're really happy to have you here at Let's Go Racing. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dominic. Hi, David. Hi, Tyler. <laughs> Hi, guys. You're a man. I, I still can't believe you're on here with us, man. What's up? <laughs> Such a huge personality in the world of auto racing. Uh, again, you know, just, uh, man, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing if all your championships, 
uh, all the races you want and er, er, pretty much every form, every type of race car, sprint car, midgets, Indy cars, NASCAR, sportsman cars, Formula One. You know, it's amazing. Just, uh, you know, I hear your name almost every day. You know, somebody's got a Mario Andretti story or remember this or remember that. It's just a, it's just a big honor uh, to have uh, you on our podcast and just what you've done your family, yourself, uh, what y'all have done for auto racing in the world is unbelievable. And uh, Well, the way I look at it is what the auto racing really uh, has done and is doing for us. Because uh, as you can see, uh, between my brother Aldo, my twin brother Aldo and myself, we started this mess, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, and of course, the offspring, uh, uh, you know, saw it uh, reason to, to to follow suit, and uh, and me as as a dad, of course, uh, couldn't be any prouder than that to have uh, my own kids uh, following the footsteps. So, you, you know, if you will, we have third generation drivers on both sides. And again, uh, you know, I uh, fell in love with the sport when I was just a young teenager, still living in Italy, uh, and. Um, you know, quite honestly, at that point, it seemed like an impossible dream. But uh, I always say I never had a plan B. And uh, and when we came to America, you know, uh, you know, uh, God willing, you know, we were going to, you know, how did we know that we we're going to wind up in a town where they had a, a nice dirt track, you know, right in the proximity at the fairgrounds. And uh when we arrived in this country was, uh, you know, in June. So the racing season was in full swing. And, and um, you know, we arrived on a Thursday on a Sunday night. There was a stock car racing. And that's when uh, the first time that we were introduced to um, the real American racing, you know, because uh, you don't have uh, uh, oval track racing or dirt track racing unless you do, you know, some rally in, in, in Europe. But uh, nevertheless, you know, that part seemed like, oh, my goodness, you know, America won't be so bad after all, you know, because Aldo and I and four other buddies, we started building uh, a sportsman stock car. Actually, we chose uh, a 48 Hudson, you know, to, uh, to start racing uh, here in Nazareth. And that's, uh, that's where my career started. You know, we, uh, Aldo and I, both drivers, we had one car. We had to, you know, we were alternating. One week, uh, you know, we were driving three different tracks, and uh, one week I would drive, next week he would drive, and uh, that's how it all started, 1959. And uh, for me, uh, it was straight through to 1994, and I sort of come out of uh, open wheel uh, in 1994, and my last race was uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 2000. Uh, well, we won, I won Le Mans in, in the class win and we finished second overall class win in uh, 1995 but um, ran a couple more times and that's it and uh, so again it's been a great run for me as you can imagine um, you know I um, my dream was to get into Formula One eventually you know because uh, that's where it all started for me and and all of that came about uh, and uh, the ultimate goal of course was to win that world championship um, you know, and um, and I clinched it right in Italy at the uh, in, in Monza, where I saw my very first uh, Formula One race in 1954. Wow. 
You, you, know, so you couldn't write the script, you know. Uh, uh, so, you know, I always say, you know, I've been blessed. That's all I can tell you. Absolutely. And it's amazing, Mario, just talking about Aldo, your brother, and his son, John, and Michael, and, and Van, your yeah. Marco, your grandson. But, you know, just listen to you talk about you and Aldo. Uh, I remember reading a book about, uh, uh, you know, where it started and, you know, when you came to America, it's amazing. You settled in America on a Thursday or Friday, and you're at a freaking racetrack on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, you only you hadn't even been here a week, you know. That's, that's amazing. And, uh, wow. And uh, I remember reading a story that you won the first race or Aldo won the first race, and the next week he won it or you won it. And it was like y'all were kind of equal. He won two or three races, and you won two or three races. And, and I had read – that your parents didn't even know y'all were racing. And it wasn't until Otto got hurt and had to go to the hospital. And then next thing you know, you guys were in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, <clears throat> the reason that, that we didn't dare tell my dad is because, uh, you know, the obvious, uh, you know, motor racing was not as safe as, as it is today. And, uh, and there were so many fatalities. And that's what, they, you know, you would see uh, all over the you know, the, the paper and the newsreels and so forth. And, uh, and, and the things would have it. Just um, uh, when we were coming to America just that, that year, uh, my idol, Alberto Ascari, who was current world champion, was killed in a test run in Monza uh, before coming to Sebring. And then, and then on the, while we were on the ship on the way over, uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans was running, and uh, and that's when they had the huge accident uh, where Pierre Levesque, you know, wound up in a grandstand, killed 85 people. Wow. All of these news, and then can you imagine when we tell my dad, okay, yeah, we want to be race drivers, and no way, over my dead body. You know, he kept saying, <laughs> the one thing that his favorite saying was, to bring back more body bags from the from a race weekend and to do trophies, you know, so we didn't dare, like I said, we didn't dare tell him. And, uh, and it's amazing that he had to find out when Aldo had his accident, the very last race of the season, which was an invitational, by the way. Um, oh. You know, and you mentioned earlier that to start with, we had, you know, one car to drivers. So it was a big toss of a coin. And Aldo won the toss, and I was kind of <laughs> glad actually. <laughs> see what see what will happen. And he won the heat, David. He won the heat. Mm -hmm. Started last. Started last, and he won the feature. Wow. And uh, yeah, and and of course we came away with 150 bucks that day, man. <laughs> you know, because we owed the bank. We owed the bank that time a thousand bucks. Wow. <laughs> we were thousand dollars in debt. And you won 150. <laughs> you won 150 the first race, you know. Then, of course, I had to I had to do the same the following weekend, which I did. You know, we won racing, we won, we lost, we crashed, we did everything, you know. But uh, overall, this season was really good because uh, we had one car. But uh, in order to be invited at Hatfield for the 100 lap at the end of the season, you had to be at least uh, third in one of the, the tracks in a 150-mile radius, you had to be in the top three in the points. Wow, So man. that we both got the invitation, and uh, 
and that was a modified race. And we were running our sportsman that that uh, um, Hudson was really actually quick because uh, we got the setups from uh, Marshall Teague. Marshall you know, that, Teague. Remember, wow. Marshall Teague was yeah. NASCAR. We bought yeah. We bought the setups from wow. from the team. You know, they were they were uh, <laughs> Hudson was getting out of racing. You know, it was uh, Herb Thomas, Marshall Teague were the top guys there. And you know how successful they were on the dirt tracks. Yeah. And we got all the setups. That's why, you know, because we didn't know what we were doing, you know. But uh, I always say, uh, with the, uh, the, among our guys, we always, we always got, I always said, the geek, you know, the guy that knows everything. And that was Charlie Mitch. And he's Charlie. the one that made the suggestion, you know. He says, uh, you know, we... Here they were, the, the cars that were winning were like 37 coupes, you know, rail jobs. And uh, that's what Charlie says, you know what? You're not going to build something that they've been racing for years and try to beat them. You've got to come there with something different. And that was really pretty clever. Absolutely. And uh, that's what we did. But, you know, coming there, we had really good, uh, you know, the setups and everything. We got the, we bought the right, we got the right car, you know, for uh, the short wheelbase, you know, that um, the wide track. Uh, the, uh, the 48 Hudson Hornet, and uh, and that you know the rest is history. But uh, we were very successful with that car, you know. So again, uh, to have a good start, you know, is something at least. And uh, and but uh, coming back to that, oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> that was. Uh, I think my mom sort of uh, had it. You know, moms. You know, they. Oh yeah. They have that sense, you know. They, uh, but uh, she was caught in the middle, and uh, my my daddy, you know, I didn't. We didn't dare tell him because I think he would have disowned us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, when Aldo came back from his coma, uh, the first thing that he said was, "I'm glad you had to be the one to face the old man," you know. <laughs> so I, I felt, oh, we got, I got him back. You know, he, he was right on the track. Man, that's a great story. Man, unbelievable. Just the people that, I mean, Mario, just think if you say, hey, can I buy your setup today? I mean, it's, it costs you millions and millions of dollors to say somebody, your competitor is going to give you a setup bucks. today. Hey, yeah. hey, it was 500 bucks. In those, those, in those days, it was a million bucks. Wow. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mario, man, it's just you, – you, I mean, there's not much you could have accomplished in the world of professional auto racing. You won. I mean, your 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 achievements just go on and on and on. You know, just uh, uh, and this is a tough question, Mario, because you've done so much. Uh, Mario Andretti. I mean, when you say Mario Andretti, that's just championship winning success. But what if I asked you a question? I, and it's a tough question. What what is what would you say uh, on the racing side would be your proudest moment? I know there's hundreds or maybe thousands of them, but if you could maybe pick one and tell us about maybe one of your proudest moments in this incredible career that Mario Andretti had. You know, uh, I have to go back to family, quite honestly, because uh, – uh, it's things you cannot design, but, um, you know, when Michael and I were teammates, for instance, in IndyCar, do um, you know that um, uh, Mike and I were on podium 15 times and we finished wow. first and second, first and second five times. 
And uh, we started an IndyCar race on the front row 10 times. Wow. So these are the moments. And then, you know, uh, in, let's see, 1986 at Pocono, the Pocono 500, uh, there was a supporting race, uh, the, the, the Indy Lights. Okay. My younger son, Jeff, was in that race. He was on pole in that race. He won that race. Michael was on pole for the 500, and I won the 500 between the three of us in clean house, you know, and, and not a lot of people paid attention to that, but we did. We celebrated, Absolutely. you know. And, in your, in uh, your you home know, state. Yeah, you know, yeah, basically a home track here at Pocono, yeah. you know. Uh, I go back, I mean, there are other moments together, like, uh, you know, in 1991, there was uh, Michael won in Milwaukee. My nephew, John, was second. I was third. All three of us were on podium. Um, you know, in 91 and 92, four Andretti's uh, in the Indianapolis 500, which had never happened before or since, the same family. These are, you know, pride moments for us, you know, loving the sport the way we do and having these opportunities. Uh, um, the closest finish in IndyCar, you know, it's between Michael and I in, in Portland, you know, and, Grand Prix, you know, I won by two inches, you know, over him. Of course, he should have won, but uh, he had some fuel pickup problems, <laughs> and I nipped him right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. But it was on Father's Day, you know, so. What the <laughs> heck, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. So, Mario, you know, it's, it's man, I, I love that. The passion y'all have for auto racing and the, 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 the some of your proudest moments, obviously racing, but racing with your – you know, with your with your kids and your your nephew, that's just amazing. You know, did did Mario Andretti ever say, okay, you know, as a competitor and a racer, with every all your achievements, you never gave an inch to anybody. So I guess my question is, since it's your son, it's you know, you made this person. It's my son. Did you ever say, well? I'll, I'll give him a little bit of an edge here or there on the racetrack. No, no, no. no. <laughs> my, wow. wife used to, my wife used to go crazy over that, you know. She said, how come every time there's an overtake between you guys, there's all, you always touch wheels, you know. Can't you just, you know. And I said, well, it is what it is. As a matter of fact, uh, I'll say this, uh, there was uh, the Meadowlands Grand Prix was the first time that uh, Michael actually made a, a competitive pass on me for the lead of the race. And, uh, and I was actually annoyed because it was at, at the hairpin and he came under me and we did touch wheels and so forth. And I said, doggone it, that kid. And then as he was going away into the sunset, well, that's my boy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a <laughs> double-edged sword, you know, and this, uh, a lot of us there, you know, but yeah. uh, that's it, you know, so, uh, but again, as you said earlier, you know, I, we didn't give an inch, and even when I, when I beat Mike, you know, for, you know, in Portland, yes, sir. Um, it, it, he should have won that race, but he was, he was starting to have a couple laps to go, starting to have some uh, fuel pickup problem, and they didn't want to stop. And, uh, and I was only about, I was about 12 seconds behind, you know, a couple laps to go, so no chance of winning. But, you know, the, the, my engineer screaming in my ears, he said, Michael's having some 
fuel pickup problems, huh? So, man, I just stood in that, in, in that cockpit and, and we're coming down for the drag race to the finish line and I just nipped them by. Honestly, I have photos of that. The photo finish is two inches. You know, and, Amazing. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, we were on podium. Michael was not, uh, you know, in a very good mood. Somebody said, hey, Mike, said, lighten up. It's Father's Day. He said, oh, okay. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Dad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was Man, a very, very quiet ride home uh, on the airplane. And my wife says, Mario, why did you let your son win? I said, are you kidding? <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. That's awesome, man. Let's go racing with David Starr. Mario Andretti joining us on this week's show. We are presented by Whataburger. Don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot, and prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese out of that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Mario, we mentioned, you know, one of the things that makes your career so great is how well you performed in so many different forms of auto racing. From your vantage point, what did you enjoy racing the most? Well, for me, it was uh, open-wheel single-seaters, quite honestly. You know, it's usually the fastest form and the purest form, if you will, because it's not a derivative of anything. But, uh, but overall, however, a uh, race car is a race car. And as a race driver, I just wanted to experience all of it because I just loved, I just loved the driving, the curiosity drove me, the passion drove me. And, uh, and I find that, uh, you know, when you have the opportunity to drive a sports car, you know, uh, it's got its quirks. I mean, you got to learn how to deal, how to, you know, to adapt to the nuances of whatever that uh, vehicle uh, obviously uh, needs, you know, to be able to operate at maximum. And then, uh, you get into a stock car the same way. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting now even to see uh, Jimmy Johnson coming into the Indy cars and, and in road racing of all places, you know, and, and try to understand that side of it. But it's a challenge that I really embraced. And, and, and um, you know, Tyler, I was uh, very fortunate that uh, I was able to somehow, you know, go with top teams, which you, you know that you had the equipment, that was giving you the possibility of bringing home some results too. That's the other part, not just to race, but to try to, to win. And, uh, and that's the ultimate, you know, ultimate satisfaction. And, and I, and I kept, you know, having some of those fortunes uh, uh, in sports cars, you know, in prototypes, I drove Porsche, I drove Ferrari, you know, and when they were competitive and that's what we won. Um, you know, I always wanted to be, Formula One, and uh, I'll tell you just quickly, you know, I said it many times, but uh, we were in 1965 when I was Rookie of the Year at Indy, um, you know, and uh, Colin Chapman and Jim Clark. Jim Clark won the race, but he was Rookie of the Year the year before. So we uh, we had meetings at, you know, uh, at different affairs, and I got to know them. And uh, when we were uh, saying our goodbyes after the banquet, you know, traditional banquet, uh, I said to Colin Chapman, I said, this is 1965. I said that Colin, I said, someday I'd like to do Formula One. And he said, Mario, when you think you're ready, you call me, I will have a car for you. Now, can you imagine, you know, what that meant to me? And um, in 1968, that's what I did. I called him 
and he had a car for me. They entered a third car. And uh, so my first race was uh, what is Glenn, obviously, and I put the car on pole, you know, next to Jackie Stewart, you know, wow. so you talk about, but I had a piece of equipment. Of course, you know, my teammate was uh, Graham Hill, you know, but he was fourth, you know, so it was <laughs> a pretty good feeling for me, you know, and, uh, and things like that, you know, it's just that when you get moments that uh, just, you know, it launches you forward and gives you the confidence uh, is what you need. And, uh, yeah, you know, even with stock cars, you know, my first year at, uh, at Daytona was with uh, Smokey Unit, and um, good old Smokey, you know, he, uh, he, 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 uh, he hired me because he wanted to experiment with somebody that didn't know squat about, you know, stock car racing, you know, so uh, he was experimenting on setups. It was, uh, I mean, I was like on the pogo stick on those banks, you know. And, um, but the following year, uh, I had a good relationship with Ford, uh, you know, for various reasons. I had a Ford engine at Indy and I did the, the, the Le Mans program and all that. And uh, so uh, they put me with the, with the Homan and Moody, as you see. And uh, there, you know, the car, you know, uh, Jake uh, Elder, you know, was my, my crew chief. and. And somehow we, we unloaded, really, you know, the car was good. It was not fast, didn't have a good motor, but they handled well. And all of a sudden, I figured, oh, you know, now stockers actually do feel good as well. You know, so I felt pretty, uh, you know, pretty good. So by the time we got a decent engine, uh, actually, what else, uh, Wilson, uh, built the engine, you know, that I won the race with, because uh, I was not getting, you know, the, really the engines that some of the other Ford guys were getting, quite honestly. Uh, but I was squeaking as much as I could. And uh, and John, John Holman was a guy, he, he, he dealt with the politics of it all. And uh, he got me what I needed. Oh, Waddell just <laughs> came to the party, you know, with the, with a decent engine. And um, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we had a car that could win, you know, and, uh, and we did. So, again, this is... Uh, this is the reason why uh, when you do that, you want more, you know, you want to, uh, um, I mean, why did I go to Pikes Peak with, with uh, Bob Beyonce, you know, for, you know, you know, Bobby passed away, you know, yeah, yeah, but that, you know, Bobby's the one that uh, talked me to go to Pikes Peak. Did I need to go to Pikes Peak? No, but ultimately, you know, you know I, I was, you know, by the time it was all over, you know, after the third try, I won it. <laughs> then I think I never go back because I know that the next time we are we're going to fly off the side of the mountain. But uh, uh, nevertheless, you know, just the opportunity to do all these things. And uh, and again, you know, when you bring home the trophy, that's the ultimate. That's what we're all looking for. And uh, and so I I uh, I feel that um, I've been really blessed to have had those opportunities. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I know that just in, in today, you know, you talk to some of the drivers, you say, oh, yeah, you know, why don't you drive? You know, are you interested in driving something else? Oh, no, my contract, this and that. Well, every one of my contracts forbid me from, from doing that. The clause says, you know, you have to have a written permission to drive anything else. And, I, and I, I'll give you an example. I was in Silverstone, England, testing um, on a Wednesday. And uh, there was no Formula One race this weekend. That was the year that I won the World Championship. And, um, 
and in the contract with Colin Chapman, I, had, I could not drive anything else, but I was driving, I was moonlighting for Roger Penske in Indy cars, you know, and then he also was driving the IROC series, but, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and Colin says, asked me, says, uh, are you, are you staying in Europe? Or are you going back to the States? I said, no, I'm going back to the States. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm running for uh, Roger Penske in Michigan. You know, I said, oh, should, you can't do that. I says, I know, but I will. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just one of those things. And so again, uh, as long as I didn't have any conflict of interest with sponsors and forth, you know, I just would do it. I, I, I used to do the contracts myself, and uh, I, uh, I never negotiated that part of it. They always had all kinds of clauses. You, know, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. I figured, okay, no, no problem. Just, and, but I did it anyway. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> so I made it easy. Uh, but, again, it's, it, it's an individual thing. You know, some drivers um, are happy with uh, just specializing in, in, in the one area, which is perfectly okay. Uh, it's, uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I think I was more curious and, and, and I want to be in that race car, you know, um, you know, David, I, you know, uh, you, you look at some of these guys, you know, the races they do in a year, like uh, Kyle Larson and so forth. Um, you know, I've done some of that. I've done as many as 56 races, you know, in a year. In, um, in 69, I did, um, what is 69 when I won the championship, uh, I raced in four continents that year, you know, wow. Formula One and everything else. And, um, and I raced in 37 races that year, you know, and, uh, and certainly not all IndyCar. So, um, again, that's, that was it. That's what I wanted. And, you know, the end, uh, my wife was such an incredible supporter of this, never made me feel guilty of anything, you know. She would have liked to have gone on a Sunday picnic sometime, you know, but uh, <laughs> all, all our Sunday picnics were at the race. <laughs> That's amazing, man. So, Mario, it's, it's, just, it's just so cool to, to hear you talk about, you know, Smokey Eunuch and Waddell Wilson and Suitcase Jake and, uh, you know, Holman Moody, John Holman. And, you know, they, when you uh, – you know, when you stepped into the NASCAR World won in 1967 Daytona 500, I mean, they're probably going, who is this guy, you know? And, uh, but man, this hearing you speak and hearing you talk, it's, uh, you know, you're, uh, you know, what, what you went through to race sprint cars and midgets and Indy cars and NASCAR, sportsman car. I mean, all the things you did in 1969, like you were saying, you know, and to survive that, survive because I believe you're, Though that era and that time, you were probably in races that a lot of these greats that you raced against and beat that they didn't get to go home that day. In fact, they never ever got to go home. So the safety aspect of how y'all raced and the the how the race car, the safety aspect of the race car then is like you said earlier, is so much safer today than it was in 1969, 1965, 1970. So it's amazing all the racing you did all the wins you had and all the championships you won, but it's amazing that you're so healthy today. And, and I look at you and I see you drive that, that two seater Indy car. And another question I had for you, I know you want to take the green and race still, <laughs> but man, you made it through a lot. I mean, four decades of auto racing and man, you're still here to talk about it. It's amazing. Amazing. 
Well, you have no idea. As you said, I, I take nothing for granted. Trust me. Um, I know how lucky I've been and how blessed I've been. And we dodged quite a few bullets along the way. Um, you know, I can see even looking at my brother, he was not so lucky. He was not able to, you know, continue, you know, his career because, you know, a couple of accidents, the last one in the sprint car, you know, 10 years after we started. But, uh, you know, every time that uh, AJ and I meet anywhere, you know, he looks at me and he says, you know, Mario, says, I can't believe that you and I are still standing, you know, <laughs> meaning, you know, how did we make it all this way, you know, with the, all the racing that we did and, and some of our closest friends, you know, obviously didn't make it, you know, and we're not so lucky. So, um, like I said, um, uh, I do count my blessings every day because of that. I know that uh, I was just fortunate and so far, you know, everything is just, you know, kept me, I guess, uh, it's no vacancy up there, I guess, a few Absolutely. times. Absolutely. I'll be close to that, but uh, um, nevertheless, um, right. life goes on. But uh, as you say, I, I'll repeat, I, I don't take things for granted. I know how lucky I've been. Absolutely. The uh, We talked about, you brought up a name that I wanted to ask you about. First of all, I want to ask you about Bobby Unser, the Unser family. You know, you think of the Andrettis, you think of the Unser family. And uh, I saw a story one time, not that long ago. And, and Bobby, when Bobby, when Bobby invited you to the Pike Speaker Race, and you went over there and dominated, and one other thing, I'm sure you never got another invitation from him. <laughs> but uh, it's sad. You know, it was a sad day uh, Monday when I got news that, that Bobby had passed. And, um, you know, I know uh, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, in your career, who was your biggest, toughest competitor? Uh, and then to ask you about another story I had saw, uh, back in 1981, somebody said that you and Bobby Unser were fierce competitors and y'all didn't speak to each other for a long time. And then after years went by, y'all got over it and were great friends. So it's just kind of um, interesting stories that you read. How true they are, I don't know, but I, uh, I saw that somewhere. Well, there, there are many. Very, first of all, you know, Bobby and I, you know, as you could imagine, we had so many battles together. We were good buddies throughout, you know. Uh, and like I always say, uh, you, you know, we are, you know, you're out there, you try to kill each other on the track, and then later on you have a deal <laughs> together, you know, I keep saying that. But, uh, you know, that's the way it is. But um, overall, you know, I, uh, again, uh, a lot of people don't understand, you know, my position on the 1981, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, I won Indy, then it give it back to, uh, to Bobby, you know, he, he cross the finish line for us after passing 11 cars under the L and all that, you know, and uh, a lot of people, you know, and he, he himself, you know, I don't know, <laughs> he thought that, uh, you know, I was really upset with, I was upset with the situation. Uh, I, I was never, I said it from day one, I was not upset with Bobby or Roger Penske, the owner for protesting and pretty much getting the best out of the protest. But, uh, you know, Bobby was never exonerated of what, what happened. It's the only thing that this deal was uh, stretched for six months, depositions and one thing or another. And, uh, you know, Roger Penske had better lawyers than, than USAC did. And uh, USAC <laughs> at the time was kind of a, 
a lame duck uh, uh, organization anyway, because they were only uh, in IndyCars. I mean, they were only promoting Indianapolis. And, um, you know, they had a local lawyer that, uh, you know, just uh, they could do anything with. So anyway, the, the long and the short is, at the end of six months, they, um, uh, the Penske lawyer suggested, let's get three judges to make the final decision on, on the situation. And, um, and there were two outsiders and one insider. The insider was Charlie Rockman, who was a radio personality in Indianapolis. The other two were two CEOs, one from LA, one from Chicago. And uh, the, uh, the final verdict was, uh, yes, Bobby Unser did commit the infraction of passing 11 cars under the yellow. And under the rule book, the penalty is one lap. Put one lap down. However, under the circumstances, the penalty was too severe, so they fined him forty thousand dollars and gave him the race back. So, but well, you know, it gets better. The following year, at the drivers' meeting, at the end of the drivers' meeting, I raised my hand. I said to Tom Benford, the race director, I said, "Tom, um, any rule changes from last year?" He says, "Nope." I said, "So hypothetically." If today I pass 11 cars under the yellow, cross the finish line first, is the fine still $40,000? He says, oh, no, no, no. Well, all fairness to him, you know, he says, well, I, I penalized him, but it was out of my hands. So you see what I mean? It, it, yes. uh, my, my peeve was with USAC, not with Bobby Unser. Right, right. And I tried to, and I made that very clear after a while because I didn't realize that, you know, he always thought that I, you know, I had a thing about it uh, uh, with him. And uh, so we put everything right, you know, a few years back, you know, we were just having dinner at Indianapolis. And I said, come on, man. You know, <laughs> I'm okay. Hey, by the way, this is a 1981 <laughs> ring. <laughs> So, so Mario, you got the winning wing. Yeah, this is the 1981 ring. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Hold it up what real close story. if you would. Let's see. Huh? Hold it up close to the screen if you would. Can you wow. see that? Yeah, you, see that? you see it? There we go. There we go. 1981. Mario, oh, yeah. what a story! <laughs> Mario's got the winning ring. So yeah, Mario. What, <laughs> awesome man unbelievable man unbelievable wow that is uh that is awesome let's go racing with uh david star <laughs> episode 23 and we're joined by mario andretti on this week's show as always we are presented by whataburger stop by whataburger for a hot hearty breakfast in the Morning, day, or night. They're serving up breakfast from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. Proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Dominic, what do you got? Man, Mario, I know, you, again, when you talk about the story of motorsports, you really can't say it without Mario Andretti. You truly have done it all. And when we say truly, even the sim racing ventures last year, running the, the race in May and the Monday Night Racing League in September, what was that experience like, getting behind the wheel of a virtual race car? And how does that compare to being behind the wheel of, a, of an actual race car? Well, you know, I think sim racing is good. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that especially during this pandemic, there was uh, uh, some great action out there and the way it was presented, it almost seemed real, you know? And uh, so I had to get in the act of it, you know? So uh, I got a simulator and then started messing around with it. 
and they, they talk me into, you know, entering some races and so forth. And uh, somehow you get a little impatient out there. And uh, uh, the, uh, the feeling is certainly not the same. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, I think I've been in a real race car for too long to be able to just readjust to just, uh, you know, the computer, to drive the computer. Uh, but um, it was fun. You know, it still is. I just mess around with it. Uh, uh, I had been out of, um, like, out of the two-seater and, and going to Barber for the first race. I went up in a simulator. Man, I just hanging around in the simulator. So I play with it. You know, I, I think it's a great thing. It's, uh, it's a technology that uh, I think we have some fun with. And, um, and sometimes, it, sometimes it's hard to lose to uh, some of the journalists, you know, that, <laughs> that have been writing about racing and they go out there and blow your doors off, you know, on the simulator. I think it's a, it's, it's a good thing. It's, a, it's great that it's out there and I think uh, and it's becoming more and more popular. I'm uh, all in on, I'm not sure that I make a career out of that, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it's great to see that it's all happening. Yeah. Any sim races or other events planned this year? Are we going to see you back behind the virtual wheel? Oh, I, I can't. I, I don't know. I have a contract that I can't. <laughs> <laughs> My contract says you can't do that. <laughs> that one, you, you got to know about that you one. Never know. So, Mar Mario, I... Uh... <clears throat> You know, being from Houston, Texas, and growing up, A.J. Foyt was my idol, my hero. Would you say – I'm sorry mean, about that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, you know, it's just where, you, where I grew up at, you know. Where, where, uh, so, Mario, who was your – I know there was probably a lot of them different forms, but overall, all those years, who was your toughest competitor on the racetrack? Well – you know, like you said, it's really hard to zero in on one. But, uh, you know, going back to, you know, my career in IndyCar, for instance, uh, uh, when I broke into it in 1964 and 65 was actually my rookie year full time. And um, uh, I think I was a little bit of a thorn on the side of AJ because he was already, well, he was already established champion, you know, and uh, he was five years uh, my senior, so obviously he had been there longer, and um, and so we locked horns a few times, you know. But uh, uh, over the years, uh, you know, uh, we just, you know, I think I like to think we became really good friends, and uh, it's all about out of respect. I certainly have tremendous respect for him. I always did, by the way, and mainly because as fiery as his temperament could be, sometimes off the track or out of the race car. In a race car, I tell you what, you could never worry about AJ as far as pulling, doing something stupid, you know, that would hurt you or something. I respected that always. And, um, you know, that's why he's still around. You know, he was a, a you know, very intelligent man. And, uh, and what he's done, what he's accomplished, you know, throughout his career as far as even his own versatility is something that inspired me. Quite honestly, it's because of AJ. Um, uh, that uh, I think it made me a better driver because uh, uh, I he was the man that, that was setting up the, the setting the standard that when I broke into Indy IndyCar racing and uh, I figured if, you know what if I'm going to win some races I gotta I gotta somehow I gotta upstage this dude you know and uh, and it was not easy you know and and but 
but it was the ultimate satisfaction. You know, there's some races where he finished second to me, and that was uh, the ultimate. And uh, but it was a damn good day if I ever finished second to him as well. Absolutely. You know, so it was just that. That's the way I, I look at things. And uh, and and when I look back at uh, you know drivers of his caliber, like you know Bobby, you know Jackie Stewart and people like that, Nicky Lauda, that um, I had the opportunity to drive against. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that's what really brings that. You know the uh, the value of uh, of what I experienced, you know, throughout the years, um, because uh, in over the decades, uh, you know, Jack, I, you name it, I, I pretty much race, you know, against uh, all these guys, even wow. Curtis Turner, wow. I mean, uh, Fred Lorenzo, <laughs> wow. uh, you know, and uh, you know, you name it, <laughs> uh, Pearson, you know, Richard Petty, and, and, wow. and on and on, you know what I mean. So, uh, again, uh, could I want anything more? No. Awesome. That's incredible. We got time for a couple more questions before I need to move on. With Mario, one of the reasons why that we, we wanted to have you on here this week is to kick off the month of May for us. Such a special time for all the motorsports. You know, NASCAR's going to Darlington this weekend for throwback weekend. You got, of course, the Indy 500 coming up the – uh, weekend of Memorial Day in Monaco and the, uh, you know, the Coke 600, of course, there at Charlotte and such, too. Tell me about just how special this month is and some of the, the things that come to mind when you think about the month of May, what it means to all the motorsports. Well, you just, uh, you painted a wide picture, of course, you know, like uh, uh, the reaches across the globe. And, um, and it's all about tradition, too. I mean, uh, uh, look at like Indianapolis, you know, it's uh, over a hundred years that that's been happening, you know, on Memorial Day. Uh, and, um, and again, these are the events that somehow there's so much focus on that uh, from a driver's standpoint, even though it's like any other race, it should be, but it can change your life, can change your career. Uh, but these are not just races, they're events. Um, I remember Humpy Wheeler when he was uh, uh, still uh, PR man for Firestone back in the wow. 60s. When he, when he, got, he got the job as the promoter for, uh, over Charlotte, you know, he said, he, I, I remember just like it was yesterday, he said, you know, someday, he said, I'm going to make this race bigger than Indianapolis. <laughs> you know, and that's why, that's why it's 600 miles rather than 500 miles. Wow. As you can that's see... That's a fact. That's wow. a fact. You can check that with him, you know, but, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and then again, well, you know, in, it was, I think in 1977, uh, in May, I did five races. Like I did Belgium, but it was five events. It was Belgium, uh, qualifying, uh, it was, it was actually five races. Uh, it was between qualifying for the Indy 500, the Indy 500. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Imola, Italy. It was uh, uh, Belgium, Monte Carlo, qualifying, and then the Indy 500. As a matter of fact, there was one morning I was in Belgium, and it's, uh, it's raining. And I think, oh, I thought I was in India. I said, oh, man, it's raining. I can sleep in, you know. And I was like, oh, no. You know, I looked down and said, <laughs> We, we do 
we do practice and we race in rain, you know, <laughs> in Formula One. And I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> that was in Belgium. I thought it was in Indianapolis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so there you go. You know, that's uh, in the, uh, I mean, in month of May, you know, is uh, it's, just, it's just so special for motor racing, as you can see, you know, at every level, at the top level of the sport, it's all happening. So um, there you have it. And, uh, and uh, we're looking at it, you know, just, uh, you know, from here, that's where I go. I go to Indy. Um, and um, I'll probably do, by the way, I'll probably do about seven, I've been doing six to 700 miles with that, uh, that two-seater at Indy just about every year that I've been running there. Because I run just about every day, a few hours. And one day, one day after qualifying on a Wednesday, we run from nine to five. And, um, and that two years ago, I did uh, 578 miles wow. uh, that day. So. Man, Mario. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, Mario, the uh, man back in, uh, I'd say, what year was it? 2000? Uh, it was, uh, was last year, Indianapolis 500. Last year when your grandson, Marco, qualified on the oh, pole. Man. And you led the field in the two-seater. With your son behind you, that was pretty cool to have three generations. I mean, that had to be such a special moment for you. I thought, I mean, from television, I wasn't there, but man, I, I said, man, that that this is a really special moment for any racing enthusiast, racing fan. It was just, it was very special for everybody. I can't imagine for yourself. Yeah, you know, you just said it uh, quite honestly. Uh, you know, Marco did a phenomenal job of qualifying. He really, really did. I mean, uh, uh, that day he beat the best under, you know, maybe even a little tougher conditions, you know, when he went out. And uh, I was so proud of him. And then to start the race, I usually, you know, I supposed to have some kind of celebrity or something. And, uh, and Roger Penske says, uh, apparently he says, uh, no, he says, it's going to be Michael behind. And I said, yeah, good luck getting Michael to go in the back. <laughs> in the back, in the back seat of it, seat of with me, and, uh, so, so, and finally, somehow, you know, uh, all of a sudden, Michael said, oh, "I guess I'm going to be right." I says, uh, uh, "How is that?" He says, "I can't say no to Pensky." He says, <laughs> "Oh, yeah." So, and, and but that was, uh, you know. How could you, you can never plan something like that. You know, it's, um, it's there with you forever. Um, this is another of those family moments, as you can imagine. Uh, and, and who would ever think it could happen that way? But, uh, but it did. So as you oh, can man. see, you know, uh, how incredible motor racing, how the sport has been to us as a family, you know, the, so many moments like that. That is awesome. Well, Mario, we got a few more things before we uh, let you go here. We want you to chime in on just some of our headlines going on in the motorsports community uh, with our NASCAR News and Notes segment. Dominic, I'll hand things off to you. What do we got this week? Sure. Every week on the show, we take a look at the top news that's going on, not only the NASCAR garage area, but all of motorsports. We'll kick things off this weekend with the Bushy Nick Bush Race 400 out in Kansas Speedway. Rick Seabrat, Tyler. Quite <laughs> a spectacle to see there with Kyle Busch leading 20 laps en route to his first win of 2021 and his 58th in his career. Now that ties him for Kevin Harvick on the NASCAR All-Time Cup Series wins list, but to also add on to that too, 17 straight seasons of winning at least one race, 
one behind Richard Petty for 18 overall, 18 consecutive seasons, that is. And David, that trend continues. Talking about, are we going to hit 16 winners? Well, we're now nine winners out of 10 races. Or out of 10 out of 11, I'm sorry. 10 out of 11, yeah. Pretty yeah. remarkable. Mario, let's, let's start with you on this one. Kyle Busch getting into victory lane here. Uh, th- this guy's something special. What, what do you make of Kyle Busch? I love the guy. I mean, of course. I mean, he's, uh, you can see he's, he's a winner. He's been a winner, you know, in trucks and Xfinity and, and uh, Cup, obviously. Uh, I remember I was on an airplane with Chip Ganassi, I told you, and he was giving me the lowdown on what happened in Kansas City. And, uh, and he said, you know, Kyle won. I said, it's about time. I, you know, <laughs> I said, you know, you know I said, it's been a while since he won a cup race, you know, obviously – for him, anyway, but um, you know, it's uh, it was uh, just the right time for it to happen, obviously. And uh, he's back in the swing of things, uh, and not surprised, of course, you know, because uh, you know that dude knows how to win races. I mean, his uh, I love his car control when tires go off or something. I mean, I tell you what, he knows how to make the most of it. You know, he just slides that baby around and. Uh, uh, and restarts and everything. I mean, he's got to figure it out. I mean, uh, no question. I mean, he, uh, winner is a winner, and he's one of them. Well, and, and uh, we saw his brother a few years back in the Indy 500 do very well with, I believe, a, a top six finish. And he's made it no secret that he wants to run some open wheel. He wants to run the Indy 500 himself. How do you think Kyle would do in an open wheel if given the opportunity? Race driver is a race driver, you know, with the right team. Uh, you saw what Kurt did, uh, you know, with Michael's team. Uh, you know, he was rookie of the year, I think, that year. And uh, uh, he, he, he really looked good. I mean, it's uh, uh, he started, you know, a little far back, you know, but I tell you what, uh, by the time the, end, the race was over, he was up there and his race pace was right with the leader. So, um, as I said, you know, a good race driver uh, with the right team uh, uh, can make uh, himself or herself proud anywhere. Yeah. David, how about you? What do you think of what uh, Kyle Busch did on Sunday? And do you think uh, that he's one of the favorites now, now he's got this win out of the way for the uh, championship going forward? Kind of like what Mario was saying, there's no big surprise with Kyle Busch winning. And, uh, you know, he's – you know, he's one of the all-time best. And just listen to Mario speak about Calpus, just car control, you know, especially when the tires, when you lose your fuel load and your tires got some wear on them. I mean, he just comes to the front. And uh, you just everything about his car control, the restarts, everything, the guy's just incredible. He's a winner, you know. It's not surprising to see him win. And, and you know, the, t- the equipment and the organization around him and the technology and all the stuff that Toyota brings to Joe Gibbs Racing, I mean, you, you can't ever, you can't ever say uh, that uh, that Bush is out. You know, he's a championship contender. Kyle Busch is a championship contender, and it was only a matter of time uh, before he was. We we're going to see him back in victory lane, and once he got his first win of 2021, I think we'll see a lot more. And then he's a contender for the title, no doubt about it. Yeah, Dominic, uh, Kyle Busch uh, in a bit of a slump of some sorts, uh, you could say. But even now, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that wish they were in Kyle's position. Hey, even in a bad season where he said last year was one of the worst he's ever experienced, that would be a pretty good season for about 75% of the field. So quite a competitor there with Kyle Busch. 
And then our other NASCAR news notes headline from this weekend, it was announced on Sunday morning through a Facebook post from his fiance, that NASCAR competitor and racer Eric McClure had passed away. McClure had made nearly 300 starts across the three top touring national series in NASCAR as recent as 2016, competed for teams like JD Motors, JD Motorsports in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and Morgan McClure in the Cup Series. Eric McClure was 42 years old. Oh, Mario, did, did you know Eric McClure at all? Uh, any, uh, any memories of him? I, I didn't know him personally. I mean, I had met him and so forth, you know, but I, I, I didn't know him close enough, you know, to have had uh, any, spent any time with the man. No, I knew, I knew of him for sure. David, you raced against him a lot, right? A lot. He was my teammate at TriStars for a couple of years and was just a nice, just a nice guy. Uh, you know, we raced for the same team, but Eric was just a great guy. His sister, his dad, his uncle, uh, Larry McClure, uh, owned a, the number four Kodak car on, on the NASCAR Winston Cup back then, Cup Series race car that Sterling Marlin and lots of different drivers have won the Daytona 500 with. But, uh, you know, just tragic. Anytime you lose, I mean, you know, I, I – I pray every day that we're all so blessed and, and God has blessed us much more than we all deserve. But, uh, you know, it's just so sad. Any, any death, you know, and I always pray to the good Lord, you know, we all pray, but it's like, I wish we could just live forever, you know, and I uh, know that's not possible, but just anytime like Bobby Unser and then hearing about, you know, Eric McClure, it's just, man, it just, it was such a cool weekend of racing the IndyCar double hitter at the Texas Motor Speedway. And then us having the NASCAR Xfinity being off, but just watching the cup race Sunday. And I don't know, man, it just kind of, I, I, it's just sad. It's sad. You know, it's just sad. That's all I can say. But, you know, Bobby Unser, obviously legendary IndyCar racer, great family, Eric McClure, great father, great race car driver, great person. And just, it's just any death. It's just sad. Oh, yeah, certainly, yeah. certainly. So uh, real quick, guys, before we uh, get to our last segment here, just want to ask you about uh, the NASCAR race at Darlington this weekend. Uh, we'll start with you, Mario. Have you been uh, – imagine you've been to Darlington before. That, that racing always there is so exciting. What are you looking forward to from a Darlington here? I'm looking forward to um, actually Joey Logano to win with the retro paint job on his car. He's got a retro paint job of uh, my uh, 1971, uh, uh, the first the first Formula One win for me in a Ferrari. You know, so um, and that was a surprise to me, you know, when they announced that. And uh, I've chatted with uh, Joey and so forth, and. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Joy on this one. <laughs> I hope it brings him some luck. It, it's great to see some of these uh, uh, retro paint jobs, you know, to just uh, uh, to commemorate, you know, some moments, you know, at different times. Uh, uh, our sport is so rich of that, you know, in so many ways. And uh, uh, but I'm uh, you know, I'm flattered that they that they chose that. That uh, actually uh, Penzo and Shell chose to do that. Uh, so, um, again, I'll be all in for Joey. Come on, bring it home. <laughs> that is cool. And, of course, running for Penske, too, who we mentioned you race for, too. David, uh, you'll be at Darlington. Uh, always fun. Uh, and uh, we, we saw this time about this time last year, they opened their doors up 
to NASCAR to be the first sport back and with open arms and everything that kind of kick-started everything last year. Yeah, no doubt about it. NASCAR did a tremendous job during this, you know, this COVID-19 situation with, with all the racers and all the racing series. And I think all the series did a great job of, of being really the first sport to, to get back going again. And, uh, you know, NASCAR, because I was a part of it, they did a tremendous job uh, keeping the, the teams and the drivers in our little bubble. And uh, it was sad, you know, our, our sport, auto racing all over the world, it, 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 it has to have fans and sponsors and people. The people make it what it is. Uh, that's why the sponsors are involved. That's what makes, you know, the fans, they, they support their race car driver. It's just everything's about the fans and the people. So it's, it's really good to finally see, uh, we, you know, at Texas Motor Speedway this week for the IndyCar race. It was a great crowd each day. And seeing the, the TV, watching the cup race uh, uh, Sunday as well, seeing the stands there and the fan was just a beautiful thing. But uh, I'm excited about Darlington coming up this weekend. I, man, I love it. Tires, you, you're running one lap, your tires are wore out. You're slipping and sliding. And, uh, man, to have a shot at trying to win another race at Darlington is going to be awesome. And, uh we're doing a throwback to Richie Evans, and uh, so that that's real cool. But I'm also going to be cheering for Joey Logano on Sunday too, just because I like Joey. But just it's kind of extra special because he's running Mario's throwback paint scheme, and uh, I'll be pulling for Joey big time. I think it'd be kind of cool if uh, if yeah. Joey and Mario could, Mario and Dreddy could go back to Victory Lane in a NASCAR race. It'd be kind of neat. <laughs> oh, and and you guys uh, mentioned Indy about fans and such. I want to get your input on this, Mario, just real quick. 150,000 fans going to be the Indy 500 later this month. How exciting is that going to be to have that fan presence back? Not full capacity, but nonetheless, a, a very nice crowd coming in for the uh, that great race there here in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Tyler, no question about it. You know, I, I don't know if I can add anything more to that, but, um, you know, the fans create the energy that uh, the sport needs. Uh, I, I, I Remember last year on race day, the cars were all gridded on on the track, and I uh, had an interview uh, with NBC up on the sixth floor of Pagoda. I'm looking down there; there wasn't a soul anywhere. Of course, no one in the stands. The one that, and it was eerie. It was just on. Uh, what's this world coming to type of thing. And uh, I'm glad that all that is behind us. Quite honestly, I'm not only glad, I'm just delighted. And um, I share everything that you said that, uh, you know, we all so much looking forward, you know, to welcoming the fans uh, that belong up there. And uh, that's what makes the sport rich. And that's what gives us all that energy to just go out there and perform. And uh, that's what it is. It's showbiz, and uh, and we want fans up there cheering. Uh, so it's going in the right direction. So uh, I think uh, that's what we that's what we needed. That's what we need at this point. Oh yeah, positives. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, our final segment before we get out of here today is our Ask David segment. We ask you guys to submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and by email. You can follow us at Star Podcast on Twitter by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com, and the Facebook page, David Star Podcast, is where you can find us there. And, Mario, we had folks submit questions to us uh, for you. And uh, so I want to start out with uh, this question from on Twitter. This one's from uh, Jeff at the Racing Table. He writes, uh, 
to you, Mario. As someone who has drove so many cars through different decades, does he feel technology advances have hindered the growth of driver's skills or driving today's cars easier to drive than cars of old? What say you, Mario? Well, I think uh, the evolution of technology is something that uh, was uh, naturally going to happen. I mean, it happened throughout our lives. Um, and, um, you know, looking back from my standpoint, uh, I wouldn't change a thing as far as, uh, you know, the experiences that I've had, you know, coming through uh, the different, you know, the, the, as you said, the technology of the race cars. But uh, I personally, I welcome the computer coming on board to give us more information. All that does more information, you know, makes you go faster. And then, uh, and again, um, I think uh, from the standpoint of the drivers, a lot of people say, well, you know, today the drivers have a, uh, a lot more, they're disposed easier ways to do, you know, to do the shifting, to do all this, so, you know, with pedal shifting in our cars and all that. But you know what, because of that, uh, you're expected to go faster. Now, uh, just to put things in perspective, I can tell you this for sure, and I feel uh, this very strongly that uh, from a driver's standpoint, yesterday's champions will be champions today and vice versa. Uh, the driver can only extract what is available in the race car. And, uh, and there's a limit, you know, each race car has a certain limit. And uh, when it was, when we had just, uh, you know, some basics, uh, as long as you took the car to its limit, you did your job. And it, it was just as hard in those days, like uh, let's say Indianapolis to do, uh, 160 miles an hour average it is today to do 230. You know, trust me, that's a fact. And uh, so, again, um, the technology factor is something that everybody possesses. So it's just a matter of just doing it better than the next guy, the next team, and, and all that. Um, I think it, I always say as much as things change, they remain the same, on the, basically. Uh, and uh, never forget the computer does not drive the car. And sometimes uh, some of the mistakes, in my opinion, that they're being made today, even by some of the, uh, the younger drivers, they depend a little bit too much on just that part without being more interested in, in the learning more about the dynamics, not just the aerodynamics, but the chassis dynamics of the car as to know what to ask for, not just do you know, put on the car, make the changes that the engineer, uh, you know, obviously uh, offers, but uh, learn to understand what you actually need. Don't wait for somebody to say, well, the COP of the car is uh, 27%, you know, well, I don't know, I don't think we're going to. You should know what, what you need more or less front wing. You don't need to have a computer to tell you. And then as soon as you like the car the way you do, then you go to the computer, Okay, what's the number? Okay, that's the sweet spot. Like I said, there's so many factors like that. And I, wow. you know, I'm a spectator now, you know, on that perch, you know, and listening and watching what they're doing. Uh, quite honestly, if I was actually uh, running a car, even from, from that point, I would do some things a little bit differently, quite honestly. Uh, not that I know everything, but uh, sometimes you use a little bit of the common sense and knowledge you know, rather than just depending only on data and a computer. Okay. David, what say you? I'm going to get a lot of feedback on this one. 
<laughs> Man, I, I, lo I love, I mean, I love, I love to hear Mario talk because, man, he, he, I'm just a sponge because he's been there and done it. And not only he's, he's won the championships, he's won the races. And I've always, you know, since on the NASCAR, since, since the technology has come into our sport and the computers and everything, and I love hearing Mario talk because what Mario just said is, you got to know what you need in a race car. You got to know that feel you need. The car's got to turn in the corner. It's got to rotate in the center. You got to have good forward bite. You got to have good drive off the corner. Now, <clears throat> to hear Mario talk about, I've never driven an Indy car before, but the 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 it's still the same process. You got to get in the corner. You got to get through the center. You got to get off the corner. And to hear him talk about maybe the younger drivers that are racing that that really don't know what they need and they go off what their engineers are telling them or what the computer tells them. It's interesting to hear technology and auto racing is great because the racing is still the same. You're still going to start the race. You're going to get the green flag. You're still going to have pit stops. Your car has got to do what the driver needs the car to do to be able to move forward and win the race. The concept's all the same and the racing's great, even though we got technology it's just more tools we have in the toolbox now. But it's good to hear what Mario is saying, and I loved it because I'm like, wow. Mario is saying that the driver, you know, the driver really doesn't, like the younger drivers that are racing today, they really don't really know what they need. But when they find what feels good and where they can control the race car and can do what they want, then you go look at the computer and it's like, wow, this is, this is what I like and this is what the computer says and not, hey, I'm not real sure what I want. What does the computer tell me I need? So it's interesting to hear Mario speak about that. But I think, you know, and understanding how the race car works, the physics of it, the mechanics of it, and understanding at some tracks, you know, some tracks of uh, the aero side overtakes the mechanical side at some of the faster speed race tracks. But, you know, I think it just comes with experience and understanding how it all works, you know, and to hear, to hear, the great Mario Andretti explained that to us is just unbelievable, man. You know, so I really appreciate what he just said. Uh, don't let the computer drive the race car. You, you tell, you tell your team what it needs. And once you get it where you want it, then look at the computer and see where it's, where it's at, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it's kind of interesting. Well, and, interesting. And, uh, and Dominic, uh, I know that out of the four of us, you and I aren't the racers here, but just watching right now, of you know from an outside perspective there, there's so much parody right now in in nascar for example you know with what is it 10 different winners in the first 11 races it seems like a lot of it right now is coming down to what the driver's doing absolutely is it a final restart is it something on getting off or on pit road on a caution period or you know there's a lot you're absolutely right you look and at the comers and goers on the mile and a half too, and all these guys, and we, we talk about it every week, right? The new winner in 2021. David, I, I wasn't convinced at first, but I'm, I'm really thinking now we're really going to possibly even see a 17th winner before the regular season ends. That parody, it's in the driver's hands. What's going to come down to a final restart? What's going to happen as a car comes and goes and a driver comes and goes? And how can a driver manage their equipment? Absolutely. And just, you know, and look, I, I'm usually on my off weekend, I'm, I'm usually doing something. I'm doing a dad being a husband, but we, we had the opportunity to go to the Texas Motor Speed and watch the IndyCar race. I mean, there's some smart race car drivers. I mean, it's like, man, we all have the same technology. We have the, a lot of us have the same chassis, same parts and pieces. You know, it just comes down to 
driver feel, the the engineering or the crew chief of the car. But man, I was watching the IndyCar race, and man, there's some smart drivers out there, and and watching how they run the race and some of the strategy they were using. You know, you could actually see from above, from from a fan standpoint, watching you know, the smarter drivers overcome the, you know, it's like they're all intelligent, but it was just like the cars are the same, but just watching their lines and seeing what they do. Uh, I was impressed with Saturday, uh, with Sunday's winner at the IndyCar race. I, I think the guy's name is Pat Ward. I think he's a rookie. I and I think, I, I think he did it. Is that it? Hey, Mario, I was impressed by him. I thought he did a great job. What was your thoughts? He did a phenomenal job, actually, by having relatively limited experience on the Noble. Uh, he did, uh, i tell you what, uh, some, uh, some of the overtakes uh, were textbook. Uh, and, and you know that the group for, for, for those cars was very narrow there. He didn't dare go up into the black, you know. And, um, but it was, uh, again, I, I really enjoyed watching that race, and, uh, and I, I give him a lot of credit that, IndyCar right now has got these two kids. One is Colton Herda and this Paddle Award that they're really worth watching. I think uh, some of the veterans are going to have a hell of a time with these dudes, <laughs> you know, as the season goes on because uh, they're really complete. I mean, uh, and both capable of winning now on strategy, on speed, period. And uh, so uh, there's a lot to look forward to. I think uh, the beautiful thing about, you know, the majors, you know, like even, you know, stock cars and everything, got a lot of great new talent, you know, that's going up against some of the veterans. And, uh, and that's what racing is all about. I mean, there's fans. That's what we look forward to. I couldn't wait for the season to start just for that. Formula One's got the same thing, you know, so... Uh, uh, again, you know, racing is a good, is in a good place these days. The product is there, and, and all the majors and uh, yeah. But it, it's really fun to see uh, some of these youngsters, you know, handle some of the uh, the old, uh, you know, the, the the real foxes, you know, that uh, like the. <laughs> I, I didn't think that uh, you know Scott Dixon was ever going to be beaten from pole after he dominated the first, you know, on the Saturday. And uh, all of a sudden, these dudes just, you know, had his number and, uh, and his measure and uh, with a much less experience. So um, that, that, was, that was good stuff. Got time like for a couple more real quick. Uh, along the uh, lines of the, uh, the drivers and, and all the talent that's out there right now, question on the email inbox. This is from uh, Billy. Billy writes, uh, Mario, uh, of all the drivers out there in, in any form of racing, is there one that reminds you of yourself, somebody that resembles you? Oh, gosh. I, that's a tough one because obviously yeah. I'm going to go for the guys to really get the job done, but I don't think I deserve that. <laughs> it's the truth. You know, I, mean, uh, yeah. I, I, like, I like the charges, the ones that just charge right from the beginning. Uh, I think in my day, uh, that style was not really what was desired. And, uh, you know, we were talking with Bobby Unser, you know, Bobby versus Al. You know, Bobby was, uh, you know, go for it right from the get-go. Al was more patient, waiting for some of us to drop out, and then he'd come <laughs> in and cash in. You know, he had much better racecraft. And, uh, uh, but today, you just go, because the reliability of the cars is uh, – 
you know, like unprecedented because of the rules, the way they are. And, um, but again, I just like the charge the guys that just charge on right away, right from the beginning. And, uh, and, and again, I, I don't know, you know, somebody else would have to, you know, uh, come up with that one. But uh, uh, all I know that um, uh, I like to see that Colton Hurd has really got some great qualities that I probably wish I had when I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> and you had all the qualities in the world, Mario. So that's interesting to hear you say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really cool. Last one for you. This one's uh, on Twitter from uh, NASCAR man at NASCAR man underscore RR. Uh, Mario, there's been a lot of talk about putting more ovals on the IndyCar schedule. What tracks do you think IndyCar should consider first? Well, I, I think there are several tracks that I love to see, uh, you know, IndyCar. And then I think uh, to, to maintain what uh, IndyCar is all about, you know, you got to go back to, uh, to, you know, IndyCar was basically starting oval racing and then they expanded to uh, road racing as well. So as a, as a diversified series, you have to keep that mix. And, um, you know, for some reason, uh, I guess for some reason, I don't know why some of the draw as much as the road courses and that determines you know whether the organizers you know want IndyCar. Uh, I love to see IndyCar back in Michigan. I love to see IndyCar back in Fontana. I love to see IndyCar down in the Homestead. Uh, and, wow. You know I love to see IndyCars back at Pocono you know and um, uh, so somebody will shoot me for that, but uh, that's the way it is, you know. Uh, I think uh, IndyCar needs to have more ovals on the schedule. Uh, they have some great road, road courses, great uh, uh, street courses. Uh, so those venues are there. We, we're going to Nashville for the first time, and uh, that's going to be a huge, huge event for sure, downtown. Uh, so that great mix, I think uh, – is wonderful, and uh, we got to make sure that we don't lose, uh, and we that we need more venues uh, on the ovals, hundred uh, percent. I, I just got back from Kansas Speedway. I'd love to see Kansas get involved. Let's go back. Let's go back. Absolutely. Let's go back to Iowa. Oh yeah, Iowa as well. Iowa was always good. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. How about you, David? Any uh, come to mind? What you think would be good oval-wise for IndyCar? You know, it's just interesting hearing Mario speak, you know, when you, when you, you know, as I watched IndyCar racing as a kid growing up and seeing, reading about it, it was always, you know, Milwaukee mile, you know, it's just a lot of oval tracks, you know, and Mario has a lot of history, won a lot of, a lot of oval tracks, you know, what he's done in IndyCars and all the oval tracks he's won at. And then as time went on, it seemed like they did more street courses and more, more road racing race tracks. And that was fine. Cause it was like, that was kind of cool and different, but it seems like over the years, I'm a big fan of the IndyCar series because they put on great races, but man, what I see the IndyCars do at the Texas motor speedway, not, not, they had a great race this past weekend, but they have the PF one traction stuff that they put down for our NASCAR race. And, and like Mario was saying, when those uh, Firestone tires would hit it, man, there was absolutely no grip. If you got into it, you was probably going to wreck. But before they had that traction down, I mean, the IndyCar race at the Texas Motor Speedway was probably one of the best IndyCar races I've ever seen. You're talking about side-by-side, side, five roads deep. I mean, it was, like, unbelievable. So I would love to see Indy, IndyCars back at the Milwaukee Mile, back at Michigan, 
Pocono. I mean, you know, because I'm not Phoenix. No. I mean, I saw. I mean, yeah. Mario's. I can't. I mean, I wish I knew how many races that Mario won at Phoenix and IndyCar. He won a lot there, but that's an IndyCar racetrack. Phoenix is a great track, you know. So. I, I just hope that uh, that they they get back to some more oval track races, and I'm I'm sure with Roger Penske and Mario telling them what they need to do, and, and uh, being a consultant and who he is, uh, I'm sure we'll see more oval tracks on the on the IndyCar series in the future. I hope. Dominic, nobody, you... listen, nobody listens to me. I don't believe <laughs> Mario. I don't nobody believe that. <laughs> Dominic, I saw you smile when uh, David mentioned Phoenix. Oh, absolutely. Not only because that's my closest track at five hours away from Grants, New Mexico, but yeah, the Phoenix probably have always awesome too. Miles there. <laughs> Say it again. I probably have 100,000 miles of Phoenix oh, between I, all the racing and testing. I bet you do. It's a cool track. And I know they I'm most not, recently... I'm not kidding you. Oh, yeah. And they most recently ran in 2018, so I would love to see Phoenix get added back to the IndyCar schedule. Yeah. Very too. Hey, uh, Tyler, I got a couple quick questions for Mario, just kind of fun questions, you know, just some I was just thinking about. Hey, Mario, what's your everyday driver? What do you, when you, when you get out from your office or your house, what do you, you get in a Ferrari, you get in a pickup truck, what's your everyday driver? <laughs> I got a little bit of everything. I got an 87 Ford Bronco that my dad used to have. Wow. Uh, I'm a snow plow on it. <laughs> 87 Ford uh, Bronco. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a cream puff. Yeah. <laughs> a cream puff. <laughs> oh, that. Uh, that, that ZR1 cool. Corvette. You know, I got, yeah, I got, I got some nice cars. I got, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I treat myself. Absolutely. I'm a car guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mario, uh, you know, with the race fans, your legacy, I mean, you're just, like I said, when you think of, of, of just auto racing, I think of Mario Andretti. You've won, I mean, Formula One champion, IndyCar champion, I mean, NASCAR winner, sports car champion, 24 hours, Le Mans, I mean, on and on and on. So what would Mario Andretti want his legacy to look like or to be, you know? Well, to me, you know, just a guy that just, uh, lived the sport. No one loved the sport uh, of motor racing more than I did. Maybe as much, but not more than I did. And uh, and that's it. I mean, it's just I devoted my life uh, doing something that uh, uh, I couldn't imagine have done anything else. Nothing could have given me the satisfaction. And because of that, I will support the sport forever. You know, all the majors, uh, I... Uh, I'm not partial. I mean, motor racing, I think, is a big family. I feel very much at home no matter where I go. Uh, and uh, NASCAR has welcomed me whenever, you know, I, I would have come to a NASCAR race. have been extremely kind to me for, for very little racing that I did. But, again, the family is really as big as you think you are. We're really small and united. Uh, going to Formula One the same way. I can walk the pits of Le Mans. Almost every every pit stall I've worked with one of the mechanics wow. one time during my career. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's just a great feeling for me to be around. It's been my life, and that's it. I don't know about the the legacy um, is uh, <laughs> what a just somebody that just loved it like no one else. That's all. Absolutely awesome. 
That is great. Well, guys, before we go, one more plug for uh, Whataburger. Don't forget that Whataburger is made fresh, served hot, and prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Mario, we appreciate the time. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with us. Tell us before we let you go here what the next few weeks look like for you as you get ready for the Indy 500 and stuff. What's on your plate? Well, the, coming up, and uh, like you said, in two weeks is uh, the Indy Grand Prix. So I'll be there. I'll be driving the two-seater uh, and on the road course. And then, of course, uh, as soon as practice starts, every morning before the real boys get on there, we have we, <laughs> two hours you know, with a two-seater run every day. I'll be doing wow. as many miles as they do, so enjoying every day. Um, and it's going to be a full month. I've, um, you know, my plate is full, in, you, know, uh, you know, with a lot of activity. Uh, and I, as usual, as you say, we've got to pack a lot of clothes for that month because there's a lot of <laughs> many dinners, many everything going on. So uh, just looking forward to it. I'm just resting for a couple of days. because I've been on the road for two weeks now. So, <laughs> but um, all charged up and ready to go. Awesome. That's awesome. David, you're about to head to Darlington. I uh, am. Yeah, I'm excited, man. About to, about to get back to uh, racing, try, the track too tough to tame. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, just a great weekend with all the throwbacks. But I uh, I want to say what an honor it's been uh, to, to to talk to Mario Andretti. I mean, as a, as a young boy, a little boy, always wanted to be a race car driver. Uh, I, I, so many books read about Mario Andretti and Otto Andretti and, and your family and just uh, man it's such a such an honor and a pleasure to have you on our show Mario thank you you are uh, very uh, kind you're very kind David uh, I'll root for you well thank <laughs> you I'll be looking for you all right buddy well I appreciate that I, I hope I can yeah. live up to the Mario Andretti standards but uh, well, I appreciate well. it all right. No pressure, but you <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. Oh, now, now uh, you got a lot to live up to there, David. <laughs> well, Absolutely. Think, uh, this is uh, week one of Championship May here on uh, Let's Go Racing. What do we got in store next week? Well, we got a lot of fun stuff. Not only we're we doing a lot of giveaways, autograph giveaways on our Twitter and Facebook pages every week, you can win some autographed David Star memorabilia, but also our next guest, continuing the Championship month of May. We are welcoming 2009 Coca-Cola 600 champion David Rudiman to the show next week for episode 24 of Let's Go Racing. So, who the man? David Rudiman. He's joining us <laughs> next week. Awesome. We'll look forward to that. Should be a lot of fun. Mario, it was our pleasure. Uh, you're welcome back here anytime on this show. We'd be glad to have you. We're going to put the checkered flag out on this show. A reminder, as always, to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Also on YouTube, and uh, hit that like button. We certainly would appreciate that. Twitter, at David Star Podcast on Facebook. Twitter, at Star Podcast. Email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Got to run for Mario Andretti, David Starr, Dominic Aragon, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing.